welcome to Should I Get Bangs. I'm your host, Julia Razzi, and today's guest is, first and foremost, a very dear friend, uh, someone I like very much. He has a podcast called Broccoli and Ice Cream. He has a new album called AKA. He's been on every late night show, and he's just a wonderful human being. It's... Mike Kaplan, that's me. That's you. Now, a little reveal behind the curtain. We recorded an episode a few weeks ago, and the audio didn't work for some reason. Yeah, it's uh, it was a really, I mean, man, you should have been there, everyone. It would have been amazing. I, You know, I don't know if you have like your side of our conversation that you could send me and then I'll try to recreate exactly <laughs> the things that I must have said right after and before what you said as like a sandwich. It'd be a, it'd be a fun game to play. But also yeah. here we are now. It was. Yeah, I think all that recorded was my half of it. So it was just me going, wow. Oh, cool. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my God. Me, too. It was like, really? <laughs> uh, and and my side of it was just like, Julia, what are you doing? Are we going to have a conversation or what? And you're like, wow. And I'm like, sincerely, <laughs> like, I'd love to help your listeners with whatever you'd like to talk about. That's amazing. <laughs> It was a really good talk. And it really it. was. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show again. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. Good night. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, I do remember some of it, but I oh, do yeah. want you to share. I still want you to share a breakdown or breakthrough, but we don't have to, you know, pretend this is that. Sure. I mean, I rem- here's something that I remember us talking about, I think, at the beginning. And I know we don't have to recreate it. And yet also, it's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Uh, the that I so I think this was all sort of connected that like I growing up uh, like around my parents got divorced when I was like 13, 14. And I had also switched from like an elementary school where I knew like a very small group of kids and was very close to them. And now was at a much larger like uh, high school uh, from like eighth grade through high school. There was just like brand new kids, you know, brand new puberty, brand new parents divorced. And so I was that was like a time that I don't think that I had a breakdown, but I was just I was a down person at the time. Like mm. I had my summer camp experience during the summer, which was this sort of, you know, magical uh, time full of other like friendship uh, inducing, like, you know, the sort of a social blossoming as it were, because there were all these other kids who were also sort of like, you know, misfits, outcasts, like, you know, artsy weirdos that uh, they were like, oh man, school, right? And then we're all like, yeah, school, oh boy, but camp, all right, camp, you know, and uh, but yeah, I was just like during school years, like I, I didn't have like a real group of friends until maybe my senior year. Like I was like, Hey, is, are, is everybody else? Like, are some of you like, you know, are you other kids in my, my math class? Do you also like math? And, uh, you know, up until that point, I was just like sometimes eating lunch alone at my locker, uh, just being like, well, here, here, no one can hurt me. Being surprised when uh, a person was nice, like outside of my family, you know, and outside of my summer camp. <laughs> were, were people at school mean to you or were you shy or, wh- or what was it? I was for sure shy and like because I did, I felt like everyone else knew each other because I had just like arrived and it felt like I was in like the middle of a, you know, a story that I didn't know. There was no like previously on this community. Uh, <laughs> you and were so, how old again when you switched schools? 
uh, like I was 12, 13, just like, yeah. you know, eighth grade, uh, like the end of middle school, the beginning of high school. Um, and like I was good at school, but that didn't help me be good at friendship, you know, making at the time. And and so I think a thing that I learned later is that uh, around your teenage years, adolescents are not very good at identifying like the difference between uh, a face that's angry and a face that's afraid. And it will like a teenager will be more likely to misread an afraid face as an angry face. So it might be that high schools are just filled with kids that are looking at everybody's faces that are also afraid and <laughs> thinking that everyone else is angry. So to answer your question, there were definitely like, I think there were like a couple of kids who were mean to me. Uh, but I feel like that was like, they were few and far between. I think everybody else was most, everyone was mostly just doing their own thing. Uh, but I didn't feel like a super closeness to most people. Like there's, there's like a couple kids that over the course of the years that I still am now close with. But uh, at the time, I it felt I felt sort of just floating, you know, alone on the on the high school sea. Well, a couple things. So I I don't know. High school is such a, I guess, wound for me, even though. Well, this was interesting. So when I went to my 10 year high school reunion, uh, a classmate came up to me and was like, well, first of all, everyone was like, I heard you're a comedian. You have a website and everything. And I was <laughs> like, what does that even mean? And it was also at a time in my life where I was, um, this was when I like had moved back to Boston and left LA and New York and was sort of trying to deprogram myself from comedy. So I felt like this huge fraud at my 10 year reunion because I was there with my fiance who I was having doubts about. And everyone was like congratulating me on my job choice when I actually was having like a career crisis and people are like, oh, I help kids at cancer hospitals, but you're a comedian. You know, it's like that weird energy that all being said toward the end of the night, I was sitting at the bar uh, drinking as much as I could. And this classmate said to me kind of like, maybe he was afraid, but I read his face as kind of angry. He goes, so what do you do? You like talk about high school on stage? And I was like, yeah, I have like some like high school stories. He's like, why? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you, you're, you didn't have a bad high school experience. High school was fine for you. And I was like, uh, I mean, not really. Like I had like a, a bully best friend. I never had boyfriends. I didn't know how to be myself, you know, like all these, I, I, I burnt my face off using mustache removal cream, you know, like <laughs> I, did, I had so many things. And he was, you like, were there oh. with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he like, he was very drunk as well, but it was so, I don't know if high school was very precious to him or for whatever reason, he had a memory of me being cooler than I was, or maybe my memory of myself is that I was not as cool as I was. I don't know, but it was so interesting to me because it's like, oh, maybe I perceived myself incorrectly. But all I know is that when I was in high school, I very much was obsessed with being popular and cool in the sort of saved by the bell 90210 way, even though in my heart, I should have probably been hardcore with like the theater art weirdos, but my, uh, immigrant parents 
there was this like mind fuck of like, I think I wanted to assimilate, if that makes any sense. So I sort of put what I thought was American high school experience on a pedestal. Oh yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a lot to say first. I, <laughs> I completely understand that. Uh, Number, oh man, so many numbers, but uh, <laughs> the the main thing that I want to offer is a thing that I heard once, I think on the Dear Prudence podcast, I forget who, whether it was Prudence or Prudence's guest at the time, uh, who said this thing, but there was the idea of, um, like, if you look at, let's say, Instagram or Facebook, and you see what people are presenting. You know, you don't know what's going on inside the heart and mind and spirit of the person sharing the photo of their family or their vacation or whatever cool thing. And Oh, and that's the other thing. So I'll get back to that in a second. Like the idea of being cool, like cool. I mean, first, like it means so many things. It means uh, what it sounds like a thing that a high school student might care about more than like do you think the dalai lama is like i hope people think i'm cool you know do you do you think that dolly parton is like i'm pretty cool you know like they're they're living all the their dollies, lives all the dollies <laughs> exactly like those are you know my main idols uh which if you just move the i from the beginning of idol to the end then you just get another dolly so uh, <laughs> you can move it on a dolly if it's too heavy so the the thing that I heard that was such great advice is, I mean, they say, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. Mm-hmm. Like to look at somebody, what somebody's presenting, like and my, my friend Gus, who I might have brought up last time, my friend Gus is a Buddhist and a therapist and uh, I think offers he if I if I told him that he offers wise things, wise ideas, wise counsel, he'll, he would be the first to be like, look, I'm just a conduit. Like if there's wisdom somewhere, like there's like a, a wellspring, uh, that I am like, I'm just like a hose. And I'm like, Oh, look, if I put the, the hose in here, then I can spray the contents of this. Like I receive it from here and I offer it over here. Like I'm just, uh, just a conduit here. And the thing that he offered the framing is like, we are all, let's say all humans are airplanes. When we're looking at people, uh, you see an airplane, you see the outside of an airplane. In your own life, you see the cockpit. You don't see an airplane. You, you're you flying the plane. So all you get from your experience is the cockpit. Everyone has their own cockpit. But to us, everyone else just looks like a plane. And we're like, I don't know what's going on. We have no idea what is going on for real. Like, if that guy was Hold on, my angry. Dog is barking. Oh, my, yeah. my, my, my dog Absolutely. is angry. Let my last episode was all about how I thought my hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. The last episode I had to cancel my guest because I thought my dog was dying. And for anyone who listened to that, as you can hear, she's not. Uh she's I'm back to so being glad. she's oh. adorable and back to being annoying. Yes. <laughs> uh that's Sorry. just like me. No, it's wonderful. Um so yeah. We, we truly like that, that guy who came up to you and like tried to tell you about your experience. Like he has very little insight into what you experienced on a day-to-day basis. And we have little experience as to what anybody else like went through. You know, if you, you only see like 
a snip, like, you know, a job at a job interview, like you share like, oh, here's five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour's worth of my entire life. You know, like even like writing a bio as a comedian, we're like, I've done these seven data points. And that's mm-hmm. you know, like, do you get the shape of me? You know, like, like, what what's your style? What do you talk about? Like, who, who are you? Like, I don't know. I've done, you know, like I've created five to seven to however many hours of even an hour of comedy that you work on for three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, like those 20 years, those 10 years, they contain more than that hour's worth of, you know, art that you're creating. So, uh, yeah, high school, I, I, I hear you. I I feel, I feel (laughs) you. And I mean, also high school wasn't just, it wasn't a monolith of misery for me like there were like i really did enjoy a lot of my time i certainly like the story that i'm glad to have this opportunity to like the story that i would like always tell is that like camp was great and school was bad you know just like this binary on off switch and both of them like there were like miserable days at camp they did feel it all it felt like the worst day at camp was like better than the best day at school and that might have been so uh but i feel like my life now is like that too like the worst day being a comedian in charge of you know our own career our path our thing like that's still like it doesn't feel great when a thing that you don't like but you know to to bomb on stage at night it feels like when people are like man you're traveling so like how you have to get up at like 6 a.m. Like tomorrow, I'm actually flying to Utah. Uh, theoretically, it all goes according to plan. Waking up at like four in the morning to get a flight at 7 a.m., uh, you know, to make sure that I get there for my show that's at night. Like, wow. Oh, man. And you do that like every week sometimes under ordinary circumstances in the past. I'm like, yeah, like, wow. I don't know if I could do that. I'm like, I don't like, don't you wake up at 6 a.m. every day to go to one building for eight hours every day? Like, how do you do like when people are like, how do you do what you do as a comedian? How do you do what you do as not a comedian? It's so uh, bananas that, you know, we all we all only know we're on, only experts in our own life experience. And we have truly almost no idea. We have almost no idea what our own experience is, let alone someone else's. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. So, you know, I've known you for a very long time. You are somebody who keeps a lot of contact with friends. You check in a lot. You, you know, send messages every birth month that my daughter is one month older. You send very thoughtful messages uh, just at different times. So it's interesting to hear that when you were younger, your high school experience, which I think a lot of people view as very formative years as far as friendship relationships go, that it it's I, I do wonder if if that experience of not having perhaps the closeness that you would have liked in high school with people uh, made you even closer with people as an adult and appreciate friendships more so. Julia, I think that you are a hundred percent correct. What uh, <laughs> Sincerely, the thing that I was leading towards eventually, you know how sometimes you're like, oh, look, off in the horizon, the place we're heading. Oh, the the road is a little windy. Oh, are we not even going that way anymore? Well, this is a fun labyrinth to be in. Um, I enjoy a corn maze. Uh, Let's just sit here and eat some corn. Um, But yes, was I do. I don't know when I started like 
the I, it's been a sort of a gradual stepwise practice to get to the place where now, you know, like every December ish, I send out a massive like, you know, sort of holiday letter style. Happy all the days, everybody. You know, like this is the time of year that people think about being nice to each other in this way. And it's not weird to send a message saying like, I I love you and I'm grateful for you. And I'm glad you do what you do in the world and my life. And because when I, at a certain point, I started sending messages like that, shorter ones, just to friends once in a while, like, hey, friend, you're my friend. Happy you're my friend. This is a text from me to you. Friend, friend text time. And sometimes people are like, what's happening? And are like, when I started doing it, they sincerely, a friend was like, are you dying? You know, like, are you reaching out because you don't have much time left and it's important to, and I'm like, I mean, now I feel like if I thought of that, if I thought of this at the time, I would have been like, I mean, maybe, you know, like uh, at at the <laughs> same rate that we all are potentially like one never knows, uh, like slowly, you know, the there's a cake lyric that I really like. And I think it's the song is uh, sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. I don't know if that's so- the name is something like that. And it's uh, as soon as you're born, you start dying. So you might as well have a good time. And mm, so, yes, in, yeah. in that respect, yes, I am dying. Uh <laughs> And, but I, how do you want to, you know, spend your time alive? Like, I do think that the way, uh, my, my life, my teenage life was my high school life. Like I really super valued like the closeness that I did have with those summer camp friends, like some of whom, like, you know, we were in each other's wedding parties and we're, we live together and we're still like some, you know, they're still some of the dearest friends that I have. And because they weren't in the same in my school or in my town or like in my regular uh, life, you know, day to day, like we wrote letters, you know, before I had email. Eventually, it be I was like I really v- valued them so much more uh, than maybe I would have if I had, you know, tons of people in my in my day to day school life as well. So like when I got to college, when I started, you know, doing comedy and like you know finding the people whose like, you know, voices and hearts were like sort of aligned with, you know, you're like, oh yeah, like you, you talk about uh, things that make sense to me in ways that are like meaningful and, uh, and beautiful and thoughtful. And like, I mean, even it's not even that they're like all people that are like me, just, but just people who are, you know, ideally like uniquely being themselves uh, as much as they can, whether a comedian, whether an artist, whether just a human being living life that uh, I did. I'm like, oh, yeah, like you can like when I got to college, I was like, oh, like there's no. None of the like, uh, I feel like stories of my high school life. So like I I had been shi- like slowly shifting like who who I was or who I felt like my identity of like, oh, yeah, like I I can be a confident person when there are like compassionate other people around encouraging it and welcoming it. And like the, and there probably were those people at my high school as well, but the fear kept me from like striving to be like, Oh, like there was a girl in my, in my high school who like, we were friendly to each other. And like, what, like, I feel like I had an experience of like her just holding a door open for me once. And I was just like, Oh, that's like, you didn't have to, she didn't have to do that. Like, and it was just like that specific, like that tiny bit of kindness. I like still remember. And then she also like, Mm -hmm. 
was like a visual artist and like painted, like did a watercolor of a rose and like gave it to me at one point. Like, I think maybe I had like written her just a nice note or something. And she painted this rose and like wrote a nice note on the back and I still have it. And it's like just framed hanging up in my home as like, uh, you know, just a testament to like, I was like, oh yeah, like there was, if, if I knew then like how much, like you could just be like, Hey, you're a nice, like, are we friends? We're friends now. Like we are caring people who care about each other. Uh, as opposed to like, I, I had, didn't even think that that was a possibility, but now as an adult, I've there's so many people for whom, I don't know if I, I've shared this analogy with you, but I have this like little, it says cash box and it's just like a little safe that I had since I was a kid, you know, just like uh, a couple inches tall and like several inches long and wide. And it has a combination lock of one number. It's just the number 15. You just turn it to 15, hit the, hold down the thing and it pops open. But also if you don't know the number, uh, anybody, if you steal my, my cash box, uh, you can just hold down the, the open button and spin the dial. And when it gets to 15, then it pops open, you know, just because it's only one number. And I feel like there are human beings who have their, like the open button held down on their heart in a way, you know, mm -hmm. that when you, if you have that going on, you know, and it's not to say that it's like, uh, again, like uniformly, homogeneously all the time. Like there's there's good days and bad. There's ebbs and flows. Like there's times that you might be like not as open as other times. But like you, Julia, you are a person who I feel like, you know, your heart, your heart button is held in the open position. And then when you meet somebody else whose heart button is held in the open position, you're both like, oh, we're just both open here. We're in this space of heart openness. And there are so many people that I meet like, Liz Glazer is a comedian who, when I met her five years ago, uh, like we did a show together and I was like, you are a person who is now like, you're going to be my old friend. And however long it takes <laughs> for you to yeah. be my old friend, you're my newest old friend. And, and we, I just started hanging out and knowing each other and communicating all the time. And that's the thing. There's some people like everybody has like their own conversational libido levels, you know, like as you know, like, some people I'll be in touch with daily. Some people I'll be in touch with weekly. Some people monthly, some people yearly. And But it did all start from just like uh, the gradual realization that I could, that I could reach out to someone like both in like, maybe the, I forget if I shared this with you, but uh, the idea of like joy shared is joy doubled and sorrow shared yes. is sorrow halved. And so if there's a time that I've gone through uh, a breakup or uh, a job thing didn't go great or, you know, trouble in a relationship or with family or, you know, any any challenges like there's always been someone in my at least adult life or my summer camp life or, you know, my my life. Now there's someone or multiple someone's who are willing, able and like some friends who like maybe don't answer the phone all the time or maybe don't text back immediately. But if I like call twice or if I text, I'm like, I can you talk? When can you talk? Like, I need to talk like there are people who are always uh, there for that or there when they can be or want to be there. And so like just to find those people, to know that there are such people possible, like that was something that I didn't know in high school, uh, though I did know, like, 
in my my family was very supportive of me. Like I was an only child. My parents, uh, even when they got divorced, like they were very loving. They were very caring. My grandparents, like I was very fortunate to have been set off on these feet that even though I was in high school, like alone and felt lonely for a lot of the time, like I I was optimistic that uh, that that wasn't forever uh, and that there were paths forward, you know? Well, I think, you know, you were saying about the heart open. Yeah. And I would say, like, I'm extremely sensitive. I I cry very easily. I, I get upset very easily. I feel other people's feelings very easily. Um, it's hard for me to be fake, um, which I think has at times I used to see as a real hindrance in this business. Um, you know, I'll be at like an industry event. And if I don't like someone that I'm supposed to like, I'll be like, hi, but like my whole, f- I'm like, I always say like, I'm, I think I'm a good, I'm a pretty good actress, but I'm a terrible liar. Terrible. Um, and so unless I'm being handed a script and being paid, uh, it is hard for me to fake it. So that being said, I think, and I, and I don't say all that to be like, I'm such a great person, but because I do think being a sensitive person, especially a sensitive teenager for can be really hard because, you know, a lot of being a teenager, I think a lot of being a human at times and until you find your, your community is a lot of being like t- tough, you know, uh, I don't give a, like a hashtag, I, I don't give a fuck, you know, which I think is so funny. If you're writing hashtag, I don't give a fuck, you clearly give a fuck because you're announcing that you don't give a fuck. But, you know, I, I feel like I always struggled with sort of that attitude. And it, you know, it wasn't until I found my, my Maria, who is still my best friend to this day, but she's someone I met toward the end of, or I got close to toward the end of high school that kind of like had her button open at the same time as me. Uh, I had a lot of moments where I felt like maybe people responded to the way I was, but I felt like embarrassed later that I was too open. But then I will say being a sensitive person as an adult or being somebody who likes, I like people pretty easily. Like I, I I'm very inclusive I, when I connect with someone and have a deep conversation with them, I'm like, cool, we're friends now. But the downfall of that, and I'm curious if you have this as well, is then I sometimes don't have enough time and I feel a little overwhelmed. Like when it comes to me, let's say planning a a birthday thing, I'm like, well, I either have to just celebrate with my husband so nobody gets upset that I didn't invite them because everyone's always thinking about me, or I have to invite, 200 people. I know this sounds like a, a obnoxious dilemma to have. I'm not saying I'm too popular now. I'm saying that I'm so open to friendship that I have had to, as I've gotten older and busier and started a family and all that stuff, I've really had to pull back and be like, okay, these are friends that are like, just because I had a deep conversation with them at a show, I don't have to invite them to Thanksgiving dinner. Like I can't, have every single person I've ever said hello to at my house for everything. You know, like I can't keep up with everyone, even though I like them all. And so I've always, I I don't know. I I think there's almost, I I guess I'm asking if you relate to that and also sort of acknowledging that it's funny for me because I went from being a kid who like wanted to be everyone's friend 
And I think at times what that's done is when you want to be everyone's friend, you kind of um, forget to be yourself because you're sort of like going around being friendly and being inclusive. And you're like, wait, what do I need? What are my boundaries? Do I even like this person? Does that make any sense? It makes all the sense. I have three <laughs> three things to say. You, you can only respond in, in numeric lists. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I only did one last time, but this time three, yeah. I got three. Okay, uh, the first two are going to like, the first one's going to be just a joke. The second okay. one's going to be a joke and the truth. The third one's going to be the real answer to your question. Ready? Wow. What a, what a setup. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. So number one, is this your way of telling me that's why I haven't been invited to Thanksgiving dinner? All right. Number two. <laughs> There's just so many people I'm so close to. Um, we live in different places. I'm sure I could come by. Okay. Number two. Uh, the thing that you said about like wanting to be everyone's friend, making it so that you end up spreading yourself so thin uh, you know which person you forgot to include in everyone is yourself. That's... Wow. I would drop this mic if it wasn't so expensive. <laughs> I mean, sincerely, this is the truth that uh, you're included in everyone. And so if you want to be friends with everyone, you also have to think about your own needs and cares and priorities and concerns. And none of your friends hopefully self-included, would want you to spread yourself so thin that you're miserable at your own party or that you're anxious about f wondering if you forgot one thing or one person or what, or, you know, just running yourself ragged. Like, you know, you've had uh, at least uh, one or two weddings and I've had one. And I feel like <laughs> it truly, like the we had like 125 people when I got married at there. And it's like, we had just a table where it was just the two of us and like other people could just like come over and like be like, hey, you know, like like speed dating, you know, just be yes, like, yes. like uh, I'm I'm your cousin that was invited because one time somebody invited us to a different. There was, a you know, a, a, some sort of transactional situation that you don't know <laughs> me, but I'm at your wedding because That's otherwise the, large wedding. the family would be mad. And so and here's, uh you know, some cash. um And but then also, of course, you you know, to celebrate a special day like that or a birthday or like you want to uh, have the people in your life who are truly like the people, the people that would not mind at all if you were like, oh, yeah, like go do take your time, take time to yourself, take time to do to whatever. If you want to have a one on one conversation with somebody else, because like you're like, if you have a party of eight people, it's not like you can have a meaningful interaction like for the whole time with every individual that's there, like beyond probably like three or four people, like it splits up into smaller groups of like pods of people that like, it's fun. It's nice to be at a place like sincerely. Uh, so the, the number three, I do relate because like what, what I've done for the past many years for my birthday is just like, be like, okay, some, you know, weekend day or something chunk of days around my birthday i'll be like 
hey, everyone, like try try to, you know, every I'm like, oh, yeah, all the comedians that I've ever been on a show with all my Facebook friends, all my, you know, real life people that I engage with and care about. I'm like, I'm going to be at this place from this time to this time, like in this park out at this, you know, on this patio at this restaurant at this comedy show, like come Come to like it's like you know the like a pub crawl, but the a me crawl, like uh, a a birthday Mike Kaplan crawl, and like whoever, and it it becomes potentially stressful if it's like, well, this restaurant we need to, how many people are going to be sitting at this table? Uh, can you let me know? And ultimately, I mean, the goal is like to feel good, to yeah. have other people feel good, to celebrate, you know, if it's a celebration of you know your life, your time together, so. Yes, I th- this year actually my birthday's in October and I have a show the next night. My birthday's a Thursday and the next night I'm performing in Milwaukee. And I think like Rini and I, my girlfriend and I are going to be driving to Milwaukee not all in one day. So I think we'll just be like on my birthday might just be spent driving from either like, you know, Pittsburgh to Ch- Chicago or somewhere between we'll be somewhere driving between New York and Milwaukee and there's part of me that's like, oh, but will I, but all the people that I would have, I'm like, oh, maybe this is like a gift that like, maybe I'll have dinner with one good friend in Chicago that night. Maybe I'll just celebrate with my girlfriend at a restaurant that night. And like, nobody else is going to be like, hey, uh, three years ago, I and several other ragtag bunches of your friends got together in the backyard of a vegan restaurant. And I thought that that's what we do every October sometime or other when you tell me about it or not. I mean, also, there's people who just like have the the birthday month be like, hey, you want to get together sometime this month? It theoretically, quote unquote, for my birthday. But like whatever it is, like. Here's a story that uh, that has occurred to me that's sort of relevant to this. Uh, you're familiar with Mark Maron, yes. the comedian and podcaster. Uh, isn't it fun that to, mo- to more people, he's a podcaster than a comedian? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so we were on a show together. There was many, many years, uh, like a decade ago, where he was like the angry comedy father whose approval I sought, you know, mm-hmm. like I wanted him to like me as a person and a comedian. And uh, ultimately, we're fine. Uh, and <laughs> we were one time at Meltdown in L.A. And this is good for your show. We're at a place called Meltdown. Um, <laughs> Meltdown's like a breakdown. I'll get yes. there. I'll get to my breakdown. But uh I feel like, yeah, I'm sort of like a breakdown by a thousand cuts as opposed to one, you know, like. No, this is all perfect. This is all uh, on theme. Okay, great. But I, I will get to the one that I that I did bring up last time and that will be relevant and resonant. One big thing. But there we were uh, pre meltdown closing I don't know, sometime between five and ten years ago. Uh, we're on the show together. Mark and me. We, we know each other. I had done his podcast. Uh, we had seen each other at like festivals. We'd had some meals together, like when there's only a few comedians around and you're like, I guess we're friends in this town, you know, like <laughs> yeah. one time this is so <laughs> there was a comedian who I like very much, but I, I won't name just because the story is kind of mean. 
uh, only in, but it's mean as a joke, but still I feel like I was, I was jokingly mean and, and this comedian didn't deserve it. Uh, but cause like we were, I was performing in Seattle. This comedian was performing in Seattle. Like one of us is at a college, one of us is at a club and we're like, Hey, like we know each other from comedy life. Right. Yeah. And and we're like, do you want to get together for a meal? Absolutely. We got together. We had a wonderful meal. And then he said, you know, we should do this. We both live in New York. We should get together for a meal in New York. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, and <laughs> like, <laughs> like the truth, like the truth in my mind was like, uh, when I'm in New York, like I have my busy New York life. Like there are best friends that I hardly see. Like when you lived yeah. in New York. Like we didn't hang out all the time. Like, no, but there are friends like all so many friends that I'm like had one meal together. Most of our hanging was driving to Boston. Yeah. I mean, we had, and we it, had one vegan meal in the East village. It makes sense. I mean, and so the, I guess the point is I didn't mean the joke came out. Like, I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. But that wasn't the truth. The truth was like, I mean, it made complete sense for us to hang out in that situation, in that time, in that place. Anyway, uh, so there I am with Mark Marin, who I had similar meals with. Like in that story, at the end of the meal I had like with Mark Marin at the Aspen Rooftop Comedy Festival in 2011 or whatever it was. Like if I at the end of the meal had been like, it was like me and him and like Gary Goleman and Ryan Singer and maybe Zach Sherwin or Josh Gondelman, just like. These are all like, comedians for yeah. anyone listening who doesn't. Most comedy. of the comedians who like many of the comedians who we knew each other and we're like, hey, we're there's one place to get food. Do you want to go to that place at the one time that is now in between things? And if after that meal, I'd been like, hey, Mark, we should get a meal together sometime, you know, when we're both in uh, the a town where we live. And he would have been in the position that's like, ah, you know, maybe he would have been like, yes. I, I don't know. I don't know what's inside of him. I only know the cockpit of my own experience and the airplane of his. But what happened at Meltdown? Great. I'm glad you asked. There, I'm sitting next to him and the woman he's dating at the time, whenever, however many years ago. He gets up and I say to her, jokingly, not jokingly, I say, hey, what does Mark really think of me? And And she says, he really only talks about himself. And so this is to say... <laughs> That's all of us. It is not just about him like yes. that. Almost nobody is sitting at home thinking like, hey, why didn't you like, why didn't you invite me to like, did you have a birthday this year? Did you have a gathering? Were you? Oh, well, you know, I, I, tr I always tried to write a joke about this and maybe someday I will. But the how there's such clear cut rules, not that you have to follow them, but there's sort of universal expectations or theories on what a romantic relationship looks like, right? And I guess there's also expectations, theories, ideas of what a family relationship looks like, you know, like we all, not, not that we all follow them, but like a romantic couple, there's sort of some things there, mother, father, father, daughter, whatever, right? Friendship is one of the only ones that's really the wild, wild west. And especially I think with technology, the word friend is not even 
a real word any i mean like because you have to say things like my real life friend my online friend they're my twitter friend like it's like okay like you know and then there's people that reach out to you and you're like i don't we don't know each other this is a friend question and then you don't put like i don't want to be me you know and then it's like it's it's a really, you know, I, I, as an adult, like, as I've gotten older, I don't really feel this way anymore, but I, I definitely remember times, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago where I think maybe I had really high expectations with certain friends or like a friend thought I was closer with them than we were. And I was like, Oh, I wasn't expecting to get an invite to their wedding. You know, it's like, it's kind of interesting. Like there's no, you know, with a, a significant other, there's there, you end up talking about it. You're like, so what are we? What are we? And it's like, you don't really have that with friends. You're like, so like, are we best friends? Are we acquaintance? Are we office friends? What are we? You know, oh, like yeah. there isn't that. And so I think it's, it's sort of as a person myself who I'm just very interested in relationships in general. I always have been. I, I find the sociology of relationships fascinating, like why certain people date, why certain people don't like each other, you know, like family dynamics. And so friendship is sort of another one that has had very little, I feel like studies done on it because it's sort of the most, I don't know, improvised and loose of them all. And then you throw in fucking Facebook friend me unfriend and you're like well now am i really friends with the guy i met at the coffee shop once who now likes all my photos and it's kind of weird but he seems harmless you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how you want to be described that that's a everyone wants to be described as harmless oh yeah <laughs> i I have, I don't know how many numbers this time, but I've got a couple. But then I I also want to get to the breakdown because we should wrap this up in about 20. Oh yes, of course. Of course. Okay. Here's some, some quick numbers. One is like, (laughs) here's uh, the, the analogy that just occurred to me is like the way that uh, when you, okay, here it is. So like there's Facebook friends and then there's like, there's some people who are like Facebook friends who are, you wouldn't say are like your your best friends, you know? So you have best friends and Facebook friends. And some of your best friends are your Facebook friends. But if you're like, that's my friend, I'm like, that's my friend friend. In the same way, the it's like when people sometimes say, I literally LOL'd. I like when LOL means laugh out loud, but it doesn't mean laugh out loud. Now it means a completely different thing. And we all understand what it means. It's not nonsense to say I literally laughed out loud. And it's not nonsense to say, oh, yeah, that's my friend, my real friend, a real life friend. That's my (laughs) good old dear friend. The the other meaningful thing I want to offer to this is that relate i would say that monogamous relationships have uh sort of models that you know society and maybe religion and uh and social media and 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 media and like you know fairy tales and movies and pop culture have offered to be like look this is the way w- truly they're they're saying like this is the way that it is when truly it's this is one of the ways that it can be whereas like certainly people who are not heteronormative you know for queer people for gay people for lesbians for uh non-binary people for trans people for people who don't you know who didn't up until recently see themselves you know portrayed in pop culture as frequently as saliently as richly as deeply like people 
people in sort of non-normative communities have always have had to be, if they hopefully got to figure out, like, you know, there were, there were people who were gay who were like, I guess I, I'm a gay man, but I, the only relationships I see are with women. So I marry a woman, you know, and <laughs> ideally today people are hopefully, you know, having more models for like, oh, like having models for ways of being that hopefully lead you to the idea that you get to create and discover and determine your way of being, your way of being who you are and then how you are with another per person in relationship. And then like you're saying in friendship, you can, if you want to get to have conversations with, with a friend that are like, what, what kind of friend are we? Something I, is I, implicit, yeah. But I'm saying, but but even a a non monogamous hetero relationship still has usually a conversation that's like, do you want to move in together? Do you want to only sleep with other people who are strangers? Are we seeing other? You know, like there's still conversations. It, it's with friendships, you're rarely like. Like I will refer to somebody as my best friend. This is just me thinking deeply. I, I, yeah. I'm not staying up, but like, you know, uh, I, I wonder if someone has had the experience of being like, this is my best friend. And then the person being like, oh, didn't know we were at, didn't know we were at that stage in our relationship yet. Oh, yes. You know, I, or like, yeah. I'm not ready to introduce this friend to my parents yet. You know, like. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and to be clear, I should have said this before. I agree with you. Your assessment is right on and valuable. Thank you for being on and, the podcast. Thank you so yeah. much. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, you are and right. accurate. And also, yeah, that, oh, is that, you just close when everyone tells you you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's the way to be. That's a good way to be. You're right again. Um, <laughs> the, I, I just want to throw in a plug for for people who are like the more normative, the more heteronormative, the yes. more like socio-normative your relationship is, it is even potentially more important to have these conversations that you don't have because you think you don't have to, because you think like, we know what cheating is, where some people are like, oh, like some people are like, is flirting cheating? Oh, is a peck on the cheek yeah. cheating? Is porn cheating? Like there's all these different layers of ways oh, yeah. that like, oh, oh, I thought, but here's another, the thing that you said, it's so funny. Like the thing that's different about friendships is like there could be a person for whom like it's true that you are my best friend, but I am not your best friend. Yeah. Like based on how. And it's so funny that in polyamorous relationships, there are sometimes like hierarchical structures. There are sometimes not. But when there's hierarchy, they're like this is my primary partner and like mm -hmm. these are my secondary partners. But in friendship, it's very, it's, we have it almost. They're like, oh, this is my best friend. But it's very rare to be like, and this is my second best friend. But in high like, school, like I you have might. That. Yes. But it's very rare to do it as an adult. I mean, but it's because it's like, truly, do you know about in, uh, in the polyamorous uh, sort of uh, lexicon, do you know about what is it called? Uh, relationship anarchy, which is essentially where people do not have a hierarchical a hierarchical like arranged structure they don't have primary partners they only have partners like friends be like oh like i don't have to rank them that's just this is a friend that i hang out with once a week this is a person i hang out with on tuesdays and thursdays this is a person i see when i'm in their town this is a person that i go hiking with and then we sleep together or this person i only hike with or only do this with or only like 
And the same way that we have friends, you're like, you might have a friend that you're like, oh, I play pickleball with this friend and that's all we do. Uh, Or I have a friend, we go to movies, we go to dinner, we go to, you know, we take trips together. So I think that's a very important thing that you learn as you get, again, and I could just mean I'm speaking for myself as you get older. I think a lot of uh, stress or anguish that can come in friendships is when you try to rely on any one friend for everything. And I think it's a real nice feeling when you, and maybe some people have known this their whole life, but this is something I've sort of learned as I've gotten older. I've been like, oh, this friend is like really great for, you know, talking about relationship stuff, but like, I don't talk to them about money. This friend I always go to with like career things, but like, I'm not going to talk to them about kids. This friend, um, they're my, my getting a drink with once a month friend. And that's, you know, and you sort of have like, when you sort of learn that about people and, and don't expect them to be everything you expect. I mean, really expectations are constantly disappointments. And so that really, I think has made my friendships so much richer and I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful to have such an array of people that really fulfill all of my needs. And that's really what matters. And I do get very jealous when my friends watch porn because that is cheating. If they watch friendship <laughs> porn, if they watch videos of being friends with another Italian comedian named Julia, I'm like, why are you cheating on me? <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. Wait, here 10 comes. minutes. We got yeah. 10 minutes. Here's the breakdown. Let me, let me break it down. Um, <laughs> So as I mentioned, when I was in my mid twenties, I got married and up until that point, like I had had, like, like I said, a supportive family life, uh, you know, a a challenging adolescence as many have, there are many people who have faced many more challenges than I in so many ways. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, yeah, I think I have the most, I added it up and, (laughs) uh, but I was like, oh, like I, up until that point. Uh, up until I met the person that I would marry, I had like, it was like, you know, I never knew uh, how it would feel like to want to be with somebody theoretically forever. Like all my relationships had ended after a year, Max, you know, and do you mind if I call you Max? They all ended up after a year, Max. And, um, <laughs> uh, but so I, I married this person when I was, when I was 25, she was around 25 as well. I think I, I don't remember anymore, but uh, we were similar. We were young. And we were together for about three years total. And I learned that just because you want to be with somebody more than a year after uh, meeting them uh, doesn't mean that you're going to want to be with them forever. Like, I thought I thought that was it. I thought, oh, wow, I want to be with this person more than a year. That's forever. And so we were, you know, it turned out not uh, not compatible partners forever. We agreed mutually. Ultimately, we went through couples counseling and there were times when she wanted to, the relationship to continue continue more. I wanted it at various points, but ultimately we were like, we stopped. And even even then, like even though it was like, well, like, this is the right thing, I went through like the most at the time in my adult life, the most emotional turmoil, the most sadness, the closest thing to I would say like I'm not uh, I've never been diagnosed with clinical depression or any other like mood disorders. Uh, but I, I think I was experiencing grief, which, you know, I, I understand that uh, when like the the symptoms of grief and depression are often very similar. And one way that you identify something as depression as opposed to grief is there's no like uh, 
sort of uh, catalyst. Like, right. If no you have, incident. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the one. And no, no super exciting incident. Uh, oh, inciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, inside and inside exciting. Inside. Uh, yes. And but yeah, I so I was experiencing I was mourning the loss of the relationship, but I didn't know that that's what was happening. It just felt like, you know, horrible, like for for a while. Like there were, there was like a, the peak of it, I feel like was several days. It like, it lasted certainly weeks, months, like a, a, a long time of sadness and anxiety about the future and questioning like what my life was going to be and what it would be. But there was like a peak of like several days where I felt just completely out of control emotionally in a way that n- I never really experienced to that degree, except for like a time that I had too many psychedelic mushrooms and really felt like just like my mind and emotions just swirling out of control, like not. And I felt like all I could do in those situations were just curl up in a fetal position and kind of not not know what was going on. And in that in that like post separation, that post marriage ending experience, the thing that I learned ultimately that some wise friend who was there for me that I I don't remember who who it was, because I'm sure I didn't come up with this on my own. Uh, I was just a hose, a conduit for someone <laughs> feeding this into me that I now spray all over the place now uh, via tears. Um, <laughs> just spraying tears everywhere. Uh, it was that, like, I was adding on unnecessary, like, self-flagellation, beating myself up for feeling bad, which added to the feeling bad because... I had been that was sort of the the flip side of having been raised with such a a warm womb like environment with such encouragement with such like you can do anything you can be anything don't even listen to those audiences saying that they don't understand what you're talking about you're the funniest you're the best you're you could be president even though no Jewish child has ever grown up to be president but you could be the one you know like all that encouragement made me have such a a high uh you know high self-esteem that like was very valuable for like getting into comedy, believing that I had something worthwhile to share, even when I had less of it than I would eventually. Uh, But it also made, made it fragile. Like when there was a lack of, there was a, a cognitive dissonance. I was like, but if I can do anything, how come I can't stop crying? Isn't stopping crying, uh, part of anything that qualifies as anything. And I was like, so I felt I was supposed to be able to handle my shit. And I felt like I couldn't handle my shit. And that made me just pile on myself being like, look at you can't handle your shit. You're, you're supposed to be able, and all those supposed to all that the same thing you're talking about with expectation, the expectation, like expectation of friends, expectations of oneself. Like, so I ultimately, I learned, I understood, I realized, and it's still like an ongoing journey to remember that especially when there's an inciting incident, especially when there's a sad thing, when there's a loss, whether it, you know, of a person in your life uh, to anything like that, it, it's not that emotions have to make sense, but it does make sense when when there's a sad thing it makes sense to feel sad and that self-compassion is uh warranted encouraged valuable 
meaningful and uh, and hard to do because it had never been something that I'd like explicitly learned. I had only explicitly learned like that I was supposed to be good at stuff. Well, I don't know who is really taught self-compassion. So grief has been a theme that's come up often on this show, which, you know, it's because a lot, listen, a lot of, as, as a, someone who's, you studied linguistics, right? Yes. So, you know, a lot of words are just words for other words, just a little different. Um, But we all, you know, grief, sadness, disappointment, all, all the things, right? Depression, like they all kind of, and so I've had a lot of conversations about grief with people and, you know, this, this thing has come up every single time of beating up oneself for the grief, whether the grief was, like you said, losing a person, the grief of a relationship. Um, I know I've, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my therapist, uh, I was talking to her many months ago about uh, having a child, which it, which for me was a positive, happy thing. But with that has come the loss of some of my time, my old ways, time with my husband. You know, there, there, there are some things lost, even though I'm supposed to be so happy about this thing. My therapist, very, it, it stuck with me so often, and I bring it up very often, is with every choice comes grief. So every choice you make, there's always going to be grief. You choose to order the pizza instead of the fries, you might have a little, you might have a little grief about the fries. You decide to, to move to LA. I'm going to have grief about not being near my family. I live near my family in Boston. I'm going to have grief about not being in my beautiful house in LA. You know, like there's always going to be something. So I think grief is extremely complicated. And I think it's actually more common that we maybe than we recognize. And I think there's a lot of us, myself included, Sometimes walking around, yes, I have been diagnosed with clinical depression, so I sort of now know the difference. But there have been other times where I've been sad, and I've been like, "Why am I so sad?" And it's like, "Oh, well, this lo- there's a loss, you know." And and I think to bring it back to friendship, because that seems to be something that we talked about a lot on this episode, is something I'm trying to learn right now is how to be supportive to friends when they're experiencing grief. And I think that, you know, I think that's probably one of the best things you can do as a friend. You know, uh, I brought this up in the last episode. I've had a couple of extremely good friends lose parents over the last month. Um, uh, Someone else losing a relationship. Like, you know, I think the pandemic, there's been a lot of loss. And so I think it's a very interesting uh, interesting is the right word. Tedious, mm, delicate, delicate sure. experience to know how to be supportive for people when they're experiencing grief, you know, checking it, kind of gauging how much to check in, uh, you know, what can, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tricky thing. So honestly, if anyone's listening who has, wants to share how they would like to be treated when they're grieving, like I would love to hear it. Cause I think it's something that you know, we all deal with to a certain degree. Yes. If I may say 17 things in response to that. I know we're, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, One is (laughs) I do, I do have a couple things. Uh, Like one is that uh, a quote that I liked that I I heard it like on Dan Savage's podcast. I think he was quoting maybe the queen of England or some, somebody. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, The quote is like, 
so look up this quote. I forget who it is, but it's grief is the price we pay for love. Like if you have grief, if you're grieving something, it means that mm-hmm. there was love and or is still love. Like if it's, still, you know, somebody has died, like the love still exists and yep. it feels so bad because of like, this is a quote I love uh, from the prophet by Khalil Gibran, the greater that sorrow car, the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. And mm. it's not that all sorrow ne- necessarily leads to joy, but that there, there cannot be like, I mean, they're like flip sides of the same coin that I was talking with another friend earlier today about like, he's what? thinking about, Oh, Oh God. Uh, another friend. <laughs> Um, cheating. and he was actually talking about like trying to like the decision of like moving forward in life with a partner to have a child or to you know to move to a different place to stay in this place like you know all the choice like there's i i kind of want to have all the possibilities and it occurred to me like th- so there's a line from also i got this from dan savage but this one's from steven sondheim uh it's uh from company the musical it's I think the question is like, do you ever feel like regret? Do you ever feel sorry that like you chose this partner instead of this other partner or this path in life instead of this path in life and or this partner instead of remaining single? And they, I think the line is always sorrow. Uh, sorry, always sorry, always grateful that like they come together, like you're grateful for what you have and sorry for what you don't have. And the thing that I offered uh, my other friend along these lines and that friend turned out to be you now. Now I'm offering it to you is uh <laughs> Like, you know, the way that a baby can learn any language, they have limitless possibility in their brain for like what they can learn. And over the course of time, their experiences determine which pathways uh, get highlighted and which ones get closed off. Or Because here's the thing is they can't do anything as a baby. They They have to grow and you have to go through that process. So the idea is that if you have all the possibilities, you have none of the actualities. So... If you want something, then you must choose. But like, you can't be, you can't move and stay at the same time. Yeah. You can't have a child and not have a child. You yes. can't be in a re- in a relationship and not be in a relationship at the same time. They're like, you get to make choices, and hopefully, you know. And so, the idea of with grief, uh, the specific thing that I'll o- offer is like, of course, it's. Uh, it's different for everyone. And I think the kind of conversations that we're talking about, like that you hopefully can have with the friends that you can have these conversations uh, with, about, uh, about with, like what kind of friendship do we have? Like, and be like, how can I be here for you in this time? You know, like, do you want, it, would it be valuable for me to check in with you? Do you want me to ask about this? Do you want me to only ask about like other things? Do you want me to share what's going on with me? Like, do you want me to stop asking questions? Like, I feel like listening, maybe start with one question and then see what they come to you with. Like that it's hard sometimes for a person like me and maybe a person like you who like, we're good at talking. You're also good at listening and I'm working on being good at listening, but like to truly try to discover what a person wants and needs uh, in a moment by asking a simple question and then listening to what they offer. And I'll also just make a quick plug for, do you know Jordan Ferber? Uh, Yeah. He's a a comedian in New York who he has a podcast called where's the grief uh, because (laughs) it's a wonderful name for a comedian's podcast about grief because he, uh, 
his brother died many years ago and his brother is still like the love still exists and the grief still exists and it you know it goes through different forms at different times maybe you know day to day maybe week to week you know month to month year to year and so he has people on his podcast to discuss you know their different griefs and the ways that they manifest and the ways that they uh engage with with them with other people there's oh man michael cruz kane had lost you know a child i think one of two twins and like is doing comedy about it and has like there's a beautiful twitter like thread essay that he wrote about it all i'll send it to you it's so beautiful about the ways that grief the conversations about grief are like most saliently like most people know that sadness goes with grief right but it's not the only thing like that sometimes he's like like you might remember uh a funny thing from the the past that is like intertwined with the like that could be joy and sadness intertwined that when somebody has died like i mean matt ruby wrote a great thing about his uh both of his parents have died and like on mother's day uh, i think he posted a thing about how the challenge of having a dead mother on mother's day and wow. that he shared this one so funny thing this beautiful thing that when his father was dying he was like hanging out with his father and they were laughing and having a great time the way that you'd want to in someone's last days hours weeks minutes whatever it is and then when somebody else would come to visit then they would be like i guess now we have to be solemn you know like yeah. that's what they're expecting like the the solemn grieving time <laughs> Well, if I were to sort of wrap this up, I would say, you know, when you were talking about the supposed tos, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think grief and the word supposed to truly have no place next to one another. There's no rules, no expectations, no correct way to feel sad or, or, or grief or whatever it is. So, or to feel, I mean, whatever you are feeling whether grieving or not, like that is, I think that's the thing. Uh, I'm glad you said if I were to wrap this up, because I'm glad you don't have to, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> that we're never going to grieve the loss of this conversation. It goes on forever. <laughs> Nobody ever hears it because we keep having it. Um, but sincerely, the a thing that often leads to anxiety or to sadness or to discomfort in the life of, at least in my life, and I think in the lives of other humans that I've gained access to anecdotally is like the discrepancy between where we are emotionally and where we think we ought to be or where we wish we yes. were, which yes. goes along with the beating oneself up being like, I'm supposed to be here, but I am here. And even just like, which goes along with, you know, like recovery. If you're like, I am an alcoholic, like at least that, you know, identifying where you are, identifying the challenge is the first step to hopefully uh, addressing it, working through it, uh, sharing it with yourself and then with others, with friends, with communities, with people who are potentially able to be there and supportive. And even just even just saying it sometimes is a thing that will lessen uh lessen it a little bit not to say that it you, you you've solved the problem by saying yeah. the thing but it is it's a zach sherwin good friend of me and you uh he and i sometimes refer to this as uh rumple stiltskinning like naming the problem like we don't want to wallow 
in in a negative experience like if but if we had a bad experience if we had a, a negative you know something like oh man this sucked like instead of being like well let's not talk about it let's not think about it well let's name it and like the same way that you know in the story of Rumpelstiltskin once you said the being's name that took away the power of the being yes. like naming the challenge at least yeah. begins the process of uh of you know taking your power back agree agree mike this was so delightful dare i say better than the first one we recorded. <laughs> don't, uh, don't err or it'll disappear again i uh, final question yes should i get bangs uh you know i'm a big fan of uh the whoever first said uh don't should on yourself uh I I love whoever that was and all the all the Instagram posts and bumper stickers that have presented it moving forward. But uh, I mean, the answer sincerely that I gave last time and I reiterate is uh, like there is no wrong answer. You should if you want to. Where are you? Are you in a bangs place? Then get those bangs. Am I supposed to get supposed <laughs> to and should? Am I I'm gonna change the pocket too? Am I supposed I mean, to get bangs? I guess here here's my additional new answer is this podcast is called Should I Get Bangs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the answer is you should get bangs whenever you want to stop making this podcast. Thank you so much, Mike Kaplan. I really appreciate you being on the show. The same to you. Bye. Bye. Such a great episode of Mike. So glad we actually did an episode that actually recorded. So that was lovely. Um, I'm going to end today's show with some suggestions of things that make me feel good. Cause uh, you know, sometimes I end with my sister coming on and giving some insight. Sometimes I end with me just blabbing away. Uh, sometimes I end with some website resources. This, this episode um, I'm going to share some things that are making me happy lately and maybe, maybe they'll, they'll bring some joy into your life. Um, television show recommendation, staff lets flats. It's on HBO max. It's staff S T A T H lets flats. Um, if you know Brit British language, I know it's the English language, but you know what I mean? Uh, let's, means rents and then flats or what they call apartments. Um, it's so hilarious. It's so silly. Makes me cry laughing. Uh, as does the show Peep Show, which is, I believe, still on Netflix. I binged that in a very short amount of time a few years back. Both British comedies, both make me cry with laughter. Um, a local recommendation in Los Angeles of something that's made me happy recently. A sandwich spot called Ziv. Uh, Z-I-V. They're located in uh, in Highland Park. One of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. Uh, highly recommend. I've had the tuna. I've had the yucca vegan one. I've had the brisket. All fantastic. Very nice people that work there as well. Also a restaurant in Silver Lake called Izette. I really recommend as well. Really nice staff, fantastic food. Uh, I'll, I won't make it totally local because I know obviously people outside of Los Angeles listen to my podcast. And also guess what? I travel outside of Los Angeles. When I lived in New York, my favorite sandwich there, Court Street Grocers. There's a location in Carroll Gardens, 
There's one in the East Village, and I believe they just opened one in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Court Street Grocer, the mother-in-law sandwich, which is also brisket. Highly recommend. I'm not even that big of a red meat eater, but I've found some real good grass-fed local briskets that have just been, oof, my mouth waters just thinking about them. Um, What else has made me happy recently? Um, Oh, this brand, Daisy, L-A, D-A-Z-E-Y, Newworks, which I post a lot about, N-O-O, Works, uh, Wild Fang. Uh, Those are all brands that make really fun, colorful clothing. They're female-owned. They are sustainable. They are local, as in, you know, designers in the U.S., local to the U.S. They are all, I believe, based in California, but, um, you know, they're real ethical brands and they make really happy, fun, bright clothing. Uh, So I'll share that. Oh, gosh, there's so many, so many things to share. Um, Music. What have I been listening to music wise? My husband's the one who really puts together the playlists. And then I just listen to them because he's super into music. I don't know. Maybe I'll stop there. That's enough recommendations. Um, Oh, if you're a weed smoker and you live in California and have access to houseplant brand weed, boy, oh boy, really like them. By the way, none of these things are sponsored. Uh, These are all just pure recommendations from my heart. Oh, here's another thing that's been making me happy for a while now. Waterloo Seltzer. I, if you listen to my old podcast with my husband, I used to always talk about LaCroix. LaCroix is out of here. Waterloo has taken its place. I will, I will call it the best seltzer ever. And I will stand by that strongly. Um, and last but not least, something that made me really happy is I bought a, uh, I bought a fake plant at Ikea. And I mixed it in with my real plants, and it looks great. So if you're someone who wants some plants in your house, but you you sometimes kill them like I do, uh, Ikea makes some really great fake plants. I don't know if that's bad for the environment. Um, trying really hard to be conscious, but they look really good. Um, and that's it. So there's a list of things that have been making me happy. Also, what makes me happy is you listening to my podcast. I really appreciate that. You know what else makes me happy? You guessed it. If you rate, review, and subscribe (laughs) um, on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And uh, that's it. I will be back next week. I've got a few wonderful guests lined up for the next few weeks. Um, And then I'm going to take it from there and see see what we're going to do about ending this season one. Today I woke up with, with the desire to not have this end as a season to just keep going so it's a journey all right uh talk to you soon bye